Welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's going on, Todd? Hey, Corey. Not too much. All right. I think that that's not true. I think that much <laughs> is happening because the legislative session is in full swing. And as we've done the last couple of years, we'll focus the next few weeks on having some special guests, that is, legislators. And this week, we are absolutely delighted to have with us representatives Kara Berkland and Jeff Stenquist. Jeff's going to join us in just a minute. But Kara, you've been on the show before, so I don't want to make you do the entire song and dance. But could you just, for the edification of our listeners, let us know where you live, which uh, district you represent, how long you've been in the legislature, those sorts of things? Of course, yeah. So I am out of Morgan County. Uh, my district is District 4. I represent the people of most of Summit County, Morgan County, and Rich County. And this is my fourth legislative session. Very cool. And in those four sessions, you've done a lot of really great stuff, including what you've been working on this past week, the Sex-Based Designations for Privacy, Anti-Bullying, and Women's Opportunities Act, HB 257, and passed the House. And we would love for you to share with us what your bill does and uh, what's next for it. Oh, of course, happy to. Um, if I can, first start with why I ran yes, it. Yes, great. Um, it was the first, like going into midnight of the first night we could open our bill files and there was chatter about who was running, running what or whatnot. And I heard some discussion of some individuals who were going to run the the Women's Bill of Rights. And I was like, well, I'm a woman and I've dealt with issues and, you know, I'd like to run a women's bill of rights if it's right for, for Utah. Uh, and, and I wanted to make sure that a woman did it and did it sensibly. And then as I started looking into what this national women's bill of rights was, I was like, eh, it's not, it wasn't right for me to run it as it was. Um, and so I did a lot of work um, kind of tweaking it yes it defines what a man and a woman is which is basically all that a lot of these other states are doing is just defining a man and a woman it uh codifies aspects of title nine to ensure we we don't want to just say like hey we have title nine we should have equal and fair access like i really want utahns to have it and especially girls who aren't getting it right now and in most people in most cases i've talked to a lot of coaches and a lot of parents and a lot of athletic directors there's a lot of misinformation about what Title IX really is. And I don't think it's unachievable or even mm -hmm. is something that coaches and ADs don't want to do. I think it's just they they don't they're misinterpreting what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing. And they're missing out on seeing the the value, how that comes down for the the girls. And and in some cases the boys, the boys that are getting short on the stick because they've gone too far the other way. Um, with Title IX. So, the, I mean, that's obviously the, the least controversial area of it, but I just thought I'd get that out of the way. Um, and then it talks about private spaces. In the bill, if you are a transgender, um, 18, 19, 20 plus year old, uh, and you've had the full sex reassignment surgery, you are good to use whatever restroom you want because most likely you've also changed your birth rate. I don't think I've met a single transgender man or woman who has had the bottom surgery and hasn't already changed the birth certificate. So it's kind of, it's in the law, but 
you know, it's kind of goes, they go hand in hand typically. And so in that case, you can go wherever because it's like, Hey, this is, this is someone who's gone that, you know, extra step. They've, they are transgender. They have, they can have, they show a birth certificate saying they're a man or a woman. They show a driver's license saying that they're a man or a woman. And they can show not that the bill requires it. It does not require it. But for argument's sake, they can show that they have the anatomy of either the man or the woman. And in that case, who is the government to say, but no, I don't think you are. You know, a lot of people are pushing back as Republicans, conservatives saying they're still not a different sex. And I'm like, that's, I don't, it's not for me to decide. I really don't care. But if a government can tell a transgender woman who can produce a birth certificate that says woman, a driver's license that says woman, and all the female body parts, it's a really big government then that I don't want that can come in and say, no, you're not a woman. Um, and so that was, that's an element of the bill that I think is really important and, and pretty controversial to a lot of Republicans, but that's, that's how I feel strongly um, about that area. It also says that government buildings that are open to the general public have to start providing uh, more single occupancy facilities for people and the goal is to ensure that if you haven't met that transitional um pit point in your transition where you've had surgery that you have a single occupancy facility to go to um, because you might not want to go to the restroom that that aligns with your sex at birth and the reality is is talking to so many people over the last six eight months about this bill the majority of utahns regardless of their identity want to use single facilities they don't like they sharing bathrooms for whatever the reason is um, and then it creates a privacy plan for kids in school and that's a little i think being over you know sensationalized like the privacy plan is actually really what a lot of the schools are doing anyway right now where it says hey at the end of the day the goal with the privacy plan is to make sure every kid has privacy whether they're being bullied whether they're you know have body image issues whether they're transgender whether their friend's transgender and they want to support their friend and say they're going to use that bathroom i'm going to use it too whatever the reason is we just want to make sure that everyone has privacy it might be that the transgender kid's going to keep using the girl's bathroom and the parents are like if that's going to be an issue and my daughter has concerns about that my daughter gets to have a single facility like we just want to make sure there is privacy across the board, I think, as Utahns in the state. Mm -hmm. So you highlighted the fact that you're kind of getting it from both sides because your first, the first element was something that maybe some Republicans would be upset with. And obviously the second element is stuff that I know that you're taking a lot of arrows from. We didn't know we had this many liberal people, progressive people in Utah, but they all come out anytime you have a, <laughs> they come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's a sign that you are trying to thread that needle. But I wonder if you could, um, I don't know, give us an, a little bit more color on what you're trying to. To me, it seems like you're, 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 you really are trying to find the common sense area. But I want to give you the chance to kind of describe that in your own words. Yeah, well, you know, obviously, like I said, I explained, I don't, I don't want a government so big that it can tell people that in, in every outwardly way, are, are a woman or a man that they're not right. I don't, I don't like that. I don't think as a, you know, conservative who likes limited government, that that's the job of the government. But I do want to make sure that, that people feel secure, that people feel protected when they're going to like 
a private and do a private thing, like go to the bathroom or change their clothes or shower in a rec room, um, you know, shower that they feel as comfortable as possible. And the hardest part, honestly, guys, is as a woman, you know, we are taught as kids, like when you're going out to your car at night, like be on a, you know, the lookout, be aware yeah. if you're getting a shower, like check out the whole locker room before you, you know, get undressed. And we're told all of these things to protect ourselves so that we feel and are safer. And, and the number of, of sexual assaults and everything, the violence against women is on the rise. It is the fastest rising violence that there is out there and it's against women and so we naturally are just wanting to make sure that we are safe and I know in talking to you know one of my early on conversations with Equality Utah Troy Williams said over 90% of transgender individuals are choosing to use single occupancy restrooms I'm like perfect we need to maximize and provide more of those and it won't impact the transgender community that much because now we're actually going to offer more that that idea that goal that like i think i've found a a fair solution that's obviously blown up and i am just a horrible bigot who hasn't thought of the transgender community which is what i'm hearing but like completely opposite of what i've tried to capture um yeah so can i ask you directly uh is the reason you're doing this bill you've just described to us but is your secret purpose uh to to put down and to hate on and to to basically like put targets on the back of transgender people absolutely not i dare say and i know this is saying a lot but i dare say i have talked to more transgender individuals parents of transgender kids than anyone in the legislature save it be judy weeks owner i if they call and they are kind to me or text me and say, I'd like to talk to you. And they are just, you know, saying, I want to understand. I will take their call. I will answer their questions. I will meet with them. I have had so many meetings when it's just me and, you know, five transgender individuals and, you know, three or four parents of transgender kids. And I'm just like, talk to me, tell me. I've really tried to craft this in a way. No one's going to be happy. Like no matter what we do, if we do anything, no one's going to be happy, but doing nothing. I didn't feel like, was really acceptable at this point. That makes a lot of sense to me based on you've had all these conversations that a lot of us have never had. What are your takeaways or what would be your message for others who haven't had these conversations then? I think, I think the bill actually, and and conservatives won't love to hear this, but I think the bill actually does a lot less when it comes to the involvement of the transgender community than people realize. I mean, it's it was designed and worded in a way. So it's like, if you, if you go into the restroom as a transgender woman and you haven't had bottom surgery, but you go in there for the proper purpose of the restroom, which is you go in, you use the toilet, you wash your hands and get out. You can't be criminally charged because you use it for its proper purpose it has to be behavior that a you know a reasonable person deems alarming. That's not alarming to the reasonable person. And there's even the provision that says that if you continue to make false claims, you can be charged with a misdemeanor. It is it is such a hard line to walk. You have to draw a line somewhere. And I get I'm gonna get heat and backlash for it because there is now a line. But the reality is, is it's important that we define that. There are women's spaces and there are men's spaces and you should respect that. And there's a reason to respect it. 
Good. That's a great explanation. Thank you for that. So where does it go next to the Senate? And what, what are the, how do you see it moving from here? Um, yeah, it'll go to the, the Senate tomorrow into the committee there and it'll really just be up to them um, to decide if, if it's the right policy going forward, if we can get it through, it'll go to the Senate floor um, where it'll have, I'm sure, more hurdles and challenges. We are we are crafting, myself and my Senate sponsor, uh, Senator McKay, crafting a few changes for the Senate committee tomorrow um, based upon feedback. We're going to ensure that there's indemnification for the, you know, so let's say someone sues a school district or uh, a rec center for following the law. We want to make sure we're not... Um, keeping you know holding that over them financially not that i think that we'll see that happening but you never know right um so we've got some some things coming in to hopefully you know kind of put some some people at ease todd what's the outlook yeah i don't know i um you know i i um i, I don't question representative Berkland's sincerity i i don't think anybody would say you know, the eight-year-old girls should be looking at naked men with exposed penises in, in girls' locker rooms. And I think that's what uh, Representative Berkland's trying to prevent. Um, and, you know, it's a complicated world that we live in right now. Um, you know, I have some concerns about the bill. I don't want to lose uh, our federal funding for domestic violence shelters, which I know is a concern right now, or any, you know, or, or of our federal, federal funding for victim services. I've heard that that could be between 14 and $40 million that could be put at risk if this bill passes in its current form. Um, and, you know, I also have concerns about, you know, the transgender community feeling like this is the third year in the row that the, in a row that the legislature has kind of tried to shine a spotlight on them. Um, a lot of these are very vulnerable people. I know some of the families and I don't know, Kara, how many people, transgender people you've talked to, but, I've been in the legislature for, you know, 12 years and I've talked to hundreds of them as well. Um, and, you know, it was long before you were elected that I was talking to transgender people about different issues. But, um, you know, my eyes have been opened and um, I, you know, I have neighbors who are transgender and and um, I, I know that there's a tremendous burden that's placed on these families um, that, that that love their transgender family members. And and I'm always concerned that the legislature is, is going to be perceived as piling on to that. And so, you know, it, it's already illegal for um, a man to go into a woman's locker room and, and, and expose himself and say they're trans, not trans. That, that's already illegal. We can't make that double or triple or quadruple illegal. Um, and I've, I've talked to law enforcement and, you know, what, what, what we've been told is supposedly... Um, Although we don't know any names or or cities or 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 time frames that you know that that this incident with a with a young girl and a man in a woman's locker room allegedly happened at a rec center in in Salt Lake County and and I've talked to law enforcement about it and that that's already illegal in Utah and so um, you know I anyways I, I think that there's a lot of people that are passionately for this bill as part of a kind of a, a nationwide culture war. There's a lot of uh, trans advocates and people who love trans people who are uh, adamantly against this bill. And and it's going to play out in committee tomorrow and on the Senate floor, probably Tuesday and Wednesday, and uh, hopefully we'll land in a good place. So, you know, right now, if, if this bill passes as it is, you could have a trans man, um, you know, with a full beard who's being forced to go into a woman's restaurant. I'm sorry, women's restaurant in public facilities. And I don't know how how comfortable people are going to be with that either. And so, 
um, the, the bill may create problems, you know, um, and hopefully, you know, that whatever version passes is going to uh, solve more problems than it creates. So you can, you're welcome to respond to that, Kara. I want to say, I think what you're doing is amazing. I'm a huge fan and and I know that it's, it's just tough to, to take so much of this from all sides all the time. So anyway, thank you for what you're doing. I want to give you the chance to answer him if you want. Otherwise, if you have another bill or two that, that you're working on or something else that you're working on that you'd like to share with the, with the crowd, we'd love to hear it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I appreciate the Senator's comments. I, I don't disagree. I, I will say that the funding numbers that are being thrown around are not the same funding numbers that I've received from um, legislative staff and with, you know, I, I, I'm happy to to share some of that um, with him, with you, Todd, in committee or before. Those numbers are a little different. And I had a discussion on on Friday with, you know, the department leaders and the stakeholders over those shelters. And I'm like, tell me, tell me where it conflicts. Tell me what the issue is here. And let's solve the problem. Because I think of my constituent who went to uh, a domestic violence shelter and in her face every time when they're like, strike that line that says that this involves domestic violence shelters, which by the way, Equality Utah was like 100% this should apply to you know, domestic violence shelters and whatnot. Um, we should protect our most vulnerable. So I look at, I think of my constituent who said like she was scared the entire time she was there because her, her offender could walk in any minute into that shelter, give a fake name, give fake identity and be admitted. And, and that's a problem I feel like we should solve. And maybe that this bill doesn't solve it. And maybe that's something we need to address down the line. What, but like, I want to know that there's an effort and a desire to solve that problem. Cause just striking that language without an answer to me feels like I'm just leaving my, my constituent without a voice when she's expressed it to me. And I, I don't want to leave her hanging. I don't want to leave her feeling like we don't care about solving her concern because it it's a concern to me. And now that I understand it better, um, but I, you know, appreciate that we can hopefully get it to a point where we can get, you know, more people um, on board and still have a good policy. And as far as other legislation, gosh, I have a ton of bill files open. Um, one that I'm really excited about, and I know not, not everybody, and again, maybe not in the Senate's excited about, but the lottery in Utah. Um, <laughs> uh, we need to have you back on that because we're probably both against you on that one, but we'd love to hear about it. <laughs> well, and it's okay because you know what? I was like, hey, I know the lottery is not going to be everyone's favorite um, idea or, or bill, but I have another bill that would expand the homestead exemption to 50% for everyone and 55% to those 65 and older because really my goal isn't and was never was like, the lottery my goal was like how do we have real conversations and get something meaningful done because because property tax is the number one issue to people in my district mm-hmm. um it's it's getting out of control and especially for our seniors living on fixed incomes yeah that's good well uh may- maybe if you're willing we'd, we'd love to have that conversation although that one might be a little spicier but but i'd love <laughs> i i would look forward to that kind of spice <laughs> well, and, and just so our listeners know, um, uh, the, the the change on on the lottery would require um, a, a change to our state constitution, and the only way to amend our state constitution 
is to have a resolution pass the, the House and the Senate with a two-thirds vote and then go on the ballot and be voted on by the people by at least 50% plus one. And so, I mean, that that's not something that the legislature can change on its own. Um, right. And I think um, uh, with no, with all respect to Kara, I, I think it's unlikely that her bill is gonna pass with a two thirds margin uh, in both bodies this year. But you know, I've been wrong before, maybe I'm wrong on that, so. Well, but, no, that's fair, that, it would be hard. Um, and that's that's why there's that great compromise set up in the background of, you know what, if we don't want the lottery, maybe we can do something else to alleviate the tax burden. Yeah. Good. I love that goal. Well, thank you so much, uh, Representative Berkland, for joining us. Thanks for all the hard work that you do. Thanks for the, man, the courage that you show every single year, every single <clears throat> legislative session. I just think it's pretty awesome. We have a ton of fans in Utah County. I'll tell you that. Good I appreciate luck. it. Thank you guys. Appreciate your time. Thanks, right, Kara. Thank you. See you. See you tomorrow. You see ya. Bye. All right. We have our second guest with us, Representative Jeff Stenquist. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. We'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Where, mm -hmm. Who do you represent as in district and how long have you been in the legislature? What got you into politics in the first place? We'd love to hear a little okay. bit about all that. Yeah, I uh, I represent uh, District 46, and nobody knows what those numbers mean, uh, but it's basically Draper and Bluffdale. Uh, before redistricting, I only had Draper City, but now I have uh, a significant portion of Bluffdale as well. So um, I have been, this is my sixth session, uh, third term in the legislature, but prior to that, I served 12 years on the Draper City Council. So I've been I've been working in public service for uh, quite a few years now and seeing things at the local government and and uh, state level now. And, and, and I served for two years on the Planning Commission as well. What got me into politics was, you know, I'm an I'm an avid cyclist. I've been a cyclist for a long time. And there's a young woman that was hit and killed riding her bicycle, hit and killed by a gravel truck riding around point of the mountain. In I think 2004, 2005, and I started lobbying the city for safer cycling routes. And I put together a grassroots group and was talking to stakeholders, trying to find some better solutions for that. And at the time, my neighbor encouraged, saw the work that I was doing and said, hey, you're doing fabulous work. You should run for city council. That neighbor was Greg Hughes. <laughs> wow. And um, so Greg said, you got to you should run for city council. This is amazing what you've been doing. And so he, he pulled me into it and, um, I ran, lost that race by 30 votes. Uh, but then they appointed me to the planning commission. and I ran the next cycle and got in to serve, serve three terms in the meantime. So I, so during that service, while I was in the, in the city council, Greg is going from being a freshman in the legislature to being speaker of the house in 2017, I decided that I was done with politics, didn't run for reelection and uh, I was out of the legislature for about two weeks when Greg announced that he was not going to run for re-election, but he was to gear up for running for governor. And so then everybody was like, yeah, you got to you got to get back in. You know, we didn't want this other person that was up that had uh, that was on the city council. She wanted to run for that seat. And so that's what got me back into politics running for this seat. So so I, I blame Greg Hughes twice. 
<laughs> for sucking me, <laughs> me in twice. Yeah. That's a great story. A great so story. Uh, before we're done here, I'm going to ask you whose fault is it that those houses collapsed over the cliff? But before we get to that, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, we want to give you a chance to talk about what you're, what you're working on this legislative session and, and what's, what's front burner for you. Yeah. So I chair the Economic Development Workforce Services Committee in the House. So a lot of it is, you know, economic development related. And uh, I, I think probably like my, my biggest area that I focus on is I spearhead a lot of our efforts on outdoor recreation for the state of Utah. I chair a commission on outdoor recreation, the overseas outdoor recreation. Uh, and we just completed the state's first long-term strategic plan on outdoor recreation. We just had a press conference with the governor about it. So uh, doing a lot of work in the outdoor recreation space, I spent a lot of time, especially this last year, traveling around the state, visiting with rural counties and, and looking at how we can help people at different communities, uh, you know, raise their um, tourism economy, provide more outdoor um, experiences, um, those kind of things. So uh, it's, it's a great area of policy to work on, but it's also... It has its challenges. It's it's complex. There's a lot of different stakeholders, and I found that when you're talking about recreation, you're you're messing with people's passions. It's mm -hmm. the thing that they enjoy doing on the weekends, and so get, people get really passionate about it. But but it's a lot of fun. I've got I've got a, uh, I ran a bill with Todd on e-bikes a few years ago. I've got another bill on e-bikes this year, and some other recreation related uh, bills. But one that I think you might find interesting is uh, actually an education bill. I don't run a lot of education bills, but this one is uh, really focused on having political neutrality in classrooms so that we don't have our classrooms being a forum for for activism and advocating for somebody's, you know, personal political ideology. Um, you know, no political flags um, for your favorite issue, hanging in classrooms, things like that. Um, and, and that bill, it's seen a lot of, uh, attention, a lot of, you know, I'm getting a lot of, um, negative comments, people calling me up and calling me nasty names, uh, and, and some hate mail over it. But I really feel like that's a good policy for us to have is, um, just to get that out of the classrooms, basically. I think that's great. And I, I love that you're doing that. And that's the one that I wanted to ask you about for sure, because, um, you know, it's one thing that I hear people talk about all the time that they're deeply concerned yeah. with is uh, yeah. kind of the indoctrination within schools. You know, I think it's a lot better here than in other areas of the country um, that I, that I've lived to, but, but I want to yeah. give you the that chance to HB 303. If anybody wants to look it up, it's HB 303. Yeah. Perfect. And can you give a little bit more detail on what it does? And also I want to ask you, are you doing this because you hate LGBT people and you don't want any LGBT flags in the classroom? Um, so your first question, uh, you know, so just to be clear, it says um, no, um, no displays, no um, signage off the cuff discussions about a particular, um, you know, political subject, religion, ideology, uh, and, and advocating for or disparaging against any particular ideology. Um, there are specific exceptions. For example, that doesn't mean that you can't display the American flag. 
or the flag of a state um, or, or something like that, if it's an official flag. Uh, you can wear religious clothing like a hijab or a yarmulke or something like that. Does not prohibit that. Does not prohibit someone having a photo of their family. If they're, if they're same sex or heterosexual, whatever, they can have photos of their family members. Some of those things that have been that I get asked about a lot. Um, so there's specific exceptions for those things. Um, as far as it being targeted toward um, or because of some bias or hatred that I have, that's not the case. It does actually um, also prohibit um, encouraging um, discussions of, of students changing their gender identity or sexual orientation um, not to either encourage them to change it or to not change it. Um, that That's also a discussion that's ex explicitly for prohibited in the bill. Um, you know, when I have people on the left that accuse me of being a bigot, and this is targeted at, at, at this uh, community, I say, well, put the shoe on the other foot. What if you had a teacher who was going off on how being gay or lesbian is a horrible moral sin, and and you've got a gay, you yeah. know, a child in there that's, that's struggling with that, that protects that student also, uh, so it, it, it goes both ways. And I think that's something that people need to realize what I'm trying to go for is as best I can strict neutrality. Yeah, that's, that's a great, and, and it's hard, hard to argue against, right? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I think those of us who, you know, especially in co college levels and others, but I think even, you know, even in high school, it's, it's good to have teachers like ask questions to, um, yeah. to encourage kids to think, maybe think a little bit differently than they ever have. But I, but I'm wondering what you think about this because I I think a lot of folks would would be more concerned when it's just a constant drumbeat or you know you just have you have a teacher who's just clearly has a, a political view and and we're just going there all the time versus like having open discussion and saying like I I realize how you feel that you feel that way about that what's the strongest argument on the other side or something like that to to really like to uh, create you know, critical thinking skills, but I want to give you the chance to. I, yeah, I've, I've had, as I've, I've worked quite a bit with the education community. I've, I've been in workshops uh, all summer long over the interim with uh, representatives from different uh, school districts, uh, workshops with the state school board and hearing from educators. And what I consistently hear is that real, the really good teachers the students don't know their political background or the religious affiliation. You know, that's yeah. that's the type of thing, you know, a good teacher will get the students to think about it. And this bill doesn't restrict student speech at all. The students can have you know, the students can wear a T-shirt or have a student mm -hmm. group or, you know, write an essay that that espouses one viewpoint or another. They the students can do whatever they want. But when it comes to um, a teacher in their in the sphere of their employment, then, then, you know, that's a different story when it comes to First Amendment rights. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Todd, what do you got? Um, yeah, I really like the, um, I really like the the flag bill, not because I hate trans people, or LGBT people, but, you know, um, you know, it, I was married in the Salt Lake Temple. I'm, I'm an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ Saturday Saints. If I was a school teacher, I couldn't imagine putting up a picture of the Salt Lake Temple and a picture of President Nelson in my classroom and, you know, telling all of the students when they come in that I'm an active member of my church and how important that is to me. 
Um, all of those things are true. I just don't think that that's appropriate in the classroom. And you might say, well, gee, you know, being LGBT is who you are. Um, it's not a religion. But, you know, I know a lot of LGBT people that it is, and a lot of, you know, liberal people where their beliefs in LGBT are are kind of like a religion to them. And a lot of people define themselves by their sexuality in 2024. And so I do think it's comparable. It's not exactly the same. Um, but I do think that classroom should be a safe space. I don't think we need, you know, Muslims promoting their religion, Jews promoting their religion. I just don't think that's what school's about. And so um, I agree with Jeff, and maybe my examples are imperfect, um, but, you know, likewise, I wouldn't want to necessarily think it would be a great idea for a teacher to have a whole bunch of MAGA posters and pictures of Donald Trump and yeah. Roger Stone and, you know, whoever else, you know, maybe Mike Pence with a Ghostbuster symbol over his face. You know, I don't think that would be appropriate either, you know, and so Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, I just, let's teach math, let's teach, you know, right. reading and writing skills, and let's leave the politics out of the classroom. So I I, um, I know some people will see that as, um, you know, anti-gay or, anti, you know, or hateful in some respects, but um, I just, you know, I've seen enough stuff on TikTok. I mean, I, I'm not on TikTok, but stuff copied from TikTok that I know that there are people out there with an agenda for our kids. And I don't want them to have an agenda, whether it's left, right, religious, anti-religious. Let's just teach. Let's just stick to the curriculum. And I don't really, yeah, it really should be. It, it really should be about the students. It's not yeah. necessarily a forum for teachers to to express themselves. Yeah, it's really a space for the students. All right. So I. I promised I would ask you this. You were on the planning commission. You were on the city council. Whose fault is it that those houses crumbled? So I would <laughs> hate to be the engineers that approved the engineering for that because, you know, and, and it is true. I was there when that subdivision was approved as a subdivision, but not when it was, not when the homes were built. But I think a lot of people have this idea that you've got city inspectors on site making sure that the engineering is done correctly. And I'm very familiar with the, that, that particular site because um, the the trail, so it so those homes fell down and took out a significant portion of a, of a very important trail that we have here in Draper, the Ants Trail. And that happened to be the section of trail that my son built as part of his Eagle project. Wow. And it was a beautiful section of trail. And it, it's kind of, they filled in the ravine with a bunch of engineered fill, fill material to build those, those particular houses that fell. And they just didn't, it was, it was a huge fill slope of fill material. And you wow. can see it right from the trail because it came right up to the edge of the trail. And, um, you know, the city inspectors aren't there making sure that it's done right. The developer hires an engineering firm the engineering firm is on site and making sure that the construction company is doing it right. And the engineering firm signs off that the fill was done correctly. And then they turn that paperwork to the city saying, here, here's the plan. And here's the engineering firm that said that, that this is how it was constructed. And the, and the city, the city engineers are sitting in city hall and they just look at the paperwork. Okay. You filed your paperwork. So right now this, that, you know, the developer is pointing that, finger up the engineering company, the engineering company's pointing at the at the developer, everybody's pointing the finger and the lawyers are going to make a ton of money off of that. <laughs> that's, right? a, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good explanation. 
All right, good stuff. Any any last questions, Todd? I don't have any last questions. Um, I did pass through uh, uh, an interesting through committee this week, an interesting bill that's going to put some guardrails up on online marriages that Utah County started doing during the um, huh. pandemic, and they've been highly successful. I just want to make sure we're not conducting plural marriages or child bride marriages in Utah County. <laughs> so, is that a Utah County joke or something? Well, no, no, no. But um, I I was hired as a private attorney to unwind a plural marriage that was performed in the Middle East in Utah Uh, uh, two years ago. So I have my district goes right up to Utah County, but I I they don't let me into Utah County. They they keep me in Salt Lake County (laughs) for some reason. I think Amelia started this. Amelia Powers Gardner started this when she was county clerk. It's been highly successful. Uh, Israel loves it because a lot of people in Israel, for for various and sundry reasons, had to leave Israel to get married and then come back because of a deal that was struck 70 years ago. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of good things happening with this program, but I'm just putting up some guardrails to make sure that um, our laws are being respected here in Utah. Very good. All right. Jeff, Representative Stanquist, thank you so much for joining us. And um, Thanks for having me on. And, Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Great to see you. See you too. All right. Don't be a stranger. All right. <laughs> Thanks for doing the good work yeah. out there. All Thanks right. So much. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.